Hello, you guys. Welcome to the Rebel Soul Radio Podcast. I am Ruthie Cease, your host. I am so excited for this episode. So this is a recording. So I am on vacation this week, so I'm not like recording any new episodes. Um, if you are someone who struggles with taking breaks from work, I highly recommend like taking just one solid week of like no Voxer, no calls, nothing, and just like getting into your own practices and getting into your own energy and recharging. That's what I'll be doing this week. So what I wanted to do is share with you guys an interview podcast I did with a girlfriend of mine, a mastermind sister, an amazing peer, and one of my most inspiring like biggest inspirations. Her name is Jessica Battle and she and I met in a um mastermind a um probably like I think it was about a year ago we were in the mastermind together and we were I don't know, I was just so mesmerized by her. Like she's just absolutely amazing. She asked me to jump on her podcast. She is a business coach, a podcaster, and she also works with women on like over overcoming binge eating. And so she's just absolutely probably one of the most inspiring, beautiful, incredible people I've ever met. Just so real and down to earth and like very sweet and very intentional. And I absolutely just like love her so much. Um, and so she had me come on her podcast and I wanted to share the interview from that because it was an insanely powerful conversation that I think more and more people need to hear. So it's about an hour long. Um, if you're one of those people that loves a good interview sesh, here we go. (laughs) Um, I hope you guys enjoy it and I will see you next week on the podcast. Hello, you guys. I am so excited for today's conversation on the Queen of Pep Talks podcast. We are here with one of my beautiful mastermind sisters, still a mastermind sister to me, even though we're not in that space together anymore forever. Ruthie Cease. Hello, Ruthie. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, I'm so excited. (laughs) I am so excited to share this conversation with you. I know that the things that we're going to talk about are going to be so beneficial for my audience because Number one, we relate on things because we're both coaches in the online space, high achieving women who are handling the good, the bad, the pretty, the ugly of running a successful coaching business. But also you are a mom, which brings a unique conversation to my podcast, one that I don't have experience in being a mom and building a business. So I'm very excited for us to chat all things business related. Why don't you share with my audience who you are and what you do? Sure. I am a, hi everybody, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks Jess, I'll just get that out of the way. (laughs) Um, I am a business mentor and embodiment mentor. Um, I help my clients grow their businesses, obviously, but also stay in their body as they grow, right? We all Mm -hmm. know that it can be really easy to fall back into patterns of self-sabotage. So I work with my clients to really not only embody their brand's message and do all the fun things, brand embodiment, but really stay neutral and in their bodies as they blow up their business, essentially. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. It's so important because how easy is it for us to 
feel so disconnected from ourselves when we're serving so many people, when we're creating content, when we're looking for external validation, when there's so much noise and notifications outside of us to lose touch with ourselves. I think that's such important work. Yeah. And, and I'll just be honest. It's like one of my biggest struggles, which, Mm -hmm. you know, is why I find this work so important because it, um, there's a part of it that just really does hold me accountable, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so interesting. I was just having that conversation in my mastermind last night about oh, cool. how the, the easiest way to hold yourself accountable in your business is to coach on the thing that you're maybe struggling with a little bit because it it continue it number one forces you to continue to have conversations around it. It continues to force you to look in the mirror and be self-reflective on where you need to continue to grow to be a better leader and really stand in the embodiment of what you stand for for your clients. I you know, my journey started after I overcame binge eating. I was like a year free from binge eating and I created my course. And I know with certainty that teaching that course over and over and over again certainly helped me even deepen the embodiment of being a woman who is free from binge eating and emotional eating. So I love that you shared that because how many people feel like, I know I experience this with my clients, they feel like I need to be all the way where I think I'm supposed to be before I can help people with this thing that I want to help them with. And you sharing that lets people know, like, you don't have to be all the way there. You're still steps ahead of the people who are behind you and you're capable of helping them with what you want to help them with. Right. I, the, the reality and truth is, is that like, there's billions of people in this world and there's not one person that doesn't need support with something. Mm -hmm. Right. And we can't, put so much pressure on ourselves to be, to arrive where we think the problem isn't there anymore. Like the mm-hmm. tr- that's the truth is everybody's going to have something, you know, that they need support with. And if we put the pressure on ourselves to be finished with the work, mm-hmm. we're going to miss out on so many different opportunities, not only to heal ourselves, but to help people. Yeah. Right. I, I and also, so many people are learning about themselves every day. Mm-hmm. They may not even know they need it. Yep, absolutely. And I know for from my personal experience, the healing journey is like there's never really a finish line. Like, sure, no. I can improve and sure I can grow. But the person that I've been is like still existing within me. And those patterns absolutely. and behaviors, they still want to bubble to the surface from time to time. So it's like having an expectation of, oh, I'm completely healed or I have it all figured out before I can help people is just going to hold you back from serving the people who really do need what you have to share. Right. Right. And, and I don't share, but this is inspiring me because I don't share about my binge eating journey at all. I never have really. I mean, maybe when I was doing fitness coaching, but not really as, and as someone who teaches somatics, I think this is inspiring me to like, maybe share that because those impulses, those urges, they still Mm -hmm. come back. Now we just have the tools to manage it. Like the impulses to shut down, the impulses to overwork, the impulses to avoid a hard conversation, um, that those are urges that always keep coming up mm-hmm. but the key is to have a toolkit to help you ride that wave and stay yeah. connected to yourself and the truth yeah and that's absolutely. like a big part of what I do so this is inspiring me already <laughs> yeah I love that I think it's so you know for me vulnerability and transparency has always been really important in the way that I share yeah. on social media but I just you know 
I agree that the urge to do things is not just in binge eating, but how many urges do we experience all day long to do things that aren't healthy or positive for our lives? How many times do we pick up our phones and want to scroll social media? Or how many times do we want to say like, oh, screw it, it can wait until later and go do something that feels good right now? When you can understand that that desire that pops up that's encouraging you to do something that's not benefiting your life will quickly pass if you allow it the opportunity to pass without giving into it. You can change your behavior so drastically in your life. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Totally agree. So before we hopped on the call, we were talking a little bit about hard things that happen in business. And I know that's something that you and I both really stand for being transparent about building multiple six-figure coaching businesses and being successful isn't just butterflies, sunshine, and rainbows, right? A lot Mm -hmm. of coaches want to pretend like, oh, it's easy peasy, lemon squeezy, everything is fantastic. But I don't believe even the people that share that, that's not their 100% reality. There are hard things that happen for all of us. A lot of people aren't willing to share, but you are. Would you be willing to talk about some of the difficult things that you've experienced in business that really stand out for you and how you have worked on staying the course in your business when hard things are happening and you're like, oh man, it would be so easy to just give up and quit right now. How do you handle that and stay the course? Gosh. I feel I was just having this conversation with my coach this morning. She's like, dude, I've been with you, you know, the last, I, so I've been in the online space for almost 10 years, 10 years next month, um, the first four and a half years. And I know, I, I know you were a Beachbody coach. Mm-hmm. I still count that as being in the online space because I did health and fitness coaching and business coaching. So I still mm-hmm. count that for myself, even though it was network marketing and it looked different. Mm-hmm. Um, But to me, the way that I stay the course is like um, my coach reflected this back to me this morning because we've been working together for almost two years. And she was like, I've seen you through a lot of really hard things and you always keep the mission at the core of it. And I think that's what makes it a non-negotiable to just keep fucking moving because Mm -hmm. it's not about me, you know, and um it's really challenging to kind of experience the hard things but then extract the gold and turn it into a teachable moment and be like oh this is a this is a lesson i can use this to help people and it's hard to even do that and it, it's challenging to even go on social media and be like this is the hard shit about business nobody talks about because you can't control how people receive that mm-hmm. and It's also not really our responsibility to make everybody feel okay with what we're doing or what we're saying, but I can't, I am not somebody who can truly sleep at night knowing that I'm keeping that stuff, that gold, that those nuggets of wisdom that could help somebody else in in that moment. I can't sleep at at night, not putting that out there, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, of course it does. It's like... Because it's it, it goes against everything that I am. Like, mm-hmm. part of the... I always tell my clients this, like, some of the best, most powerful things that you could coach people on or your biggest asset in your business is your own lived experience and how you navigated something, mm-hmm. right? 
that's why I think as an entrepreneur, like I look back at college and I'm just like, I'm not using any of that stuff, but everything <laughs> that I lived and went through, I'm constantly helping people with. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what makes this work so valuable. Mm-hmm. I can't not share that. And I won't yeah. because it goes yeah. against who I am. But what we can do is make sure that we have processed and come to a neutral space about it mm-hmm. and that we share so in a respectful way. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way the ways that I navigate this, um, the hard stuff is obviously, obviously mentorship. Obviously. <laughs> Always having support, obviously. right? Yes. But I don't just have a coach, right? I have a toolkit. I have a therapist. My coach is not my therapist. Um, So I navigate the hard stuff behind the scenes and I keep going because that's the point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right? It, it is the point. And, and that's where I know for me, when I started experiencing difficult things in my business at the end of 2020, I had been in business for about a year before really hard shit started happening. Like the shit that'll rock your confidence and make you want to shut down and hide from the entire world type of shit. I realized that in the moment when I was navigating through it, it felt so hard and so challenging. And yes, I wanted to give up and quit. But on the other side of it, the strength that I created for myself, the power that I was able to see within myself, my ability to handle difficult things. I grew more through those experiences than I had the entire first year in my business when things were going smoothly and there weren't any like real big things to worry about in terms of making sure other people were okay. For me, most of the hard things that have happened in my business come from conflict with other people, other people maybe being disappointed in me, other people not living up to um, the obligations that they created for themselves, following through with payment plans, ghosting me. And I think, you know, clients who you give so much to for so long, just kind of disappearing from your life is really, really (laughs) difficult. I have a masterclass coming next month where I'm going to talk about navigating goodbyes in the coaching industry because it's so fucking hard as a coach And as a client, like I just left Steph's mastermind for the year and it was heartbreaking for me. Like one of the hardest things that I went through navigating goodbyes is so incredibly difficult, but I agree with you that through that, when you're on the other side of it, when it makes sense to share, it's so powerful, not just for our audiences, but also I think the bravery and courage that it takes for us to look back on the hard things and ask ourselves, what did I learn from this? How did I grow from this? is so powerful in our own personal growth because it gives us an opportunity to see where's there room for improvement for me? What can I change? How can I improve from this situation? And and that takes a level of courage that I think most people don't have because it's scary to own up to our own faults and mistakes. Yeah. That's something I had a conversation with someone about recently about like how, you know, it's really easy to like pull back and shut down when there's conflict, but it takes... Mm -hmm a special kind of person to lean in, to have the harder conversations and to really resolve conflict from a place of love and compassion. Mm -hmm. But that's something that's not really taught, right? And Mm -hmm. I often think too, that like when we play out these um, coach-client dynamics, like sometimes we play out other family systems as well. And so Mm -hmm. the way that we handle conflict is a reflection of the way that we were taught how to handle conflict. Mm -hmm. And some people just don't have that level of consciousness and it's not a bad thing, I'm not judging. It just is, right? Some people don't 
don't have the awareness to go, oh, fuck, like, I actually learned that from my mom or, Mm -hmm. um, like, this is the only way I was modeled it. So I don't know how to have these uncomfortable conversations and stay in the room when things bubble up and feel uncomfortable. Um, and you know, some of the things that I've navigated to were definitely around like payment plan issues, um, clients leaving after, you know, spending four and a half years. The thing is, is that now that I'm looking back, like 2017 was pretty easy. I was only in the industry for six months by the end of that. When I quit my job, it was pretty easy. I did a lot of cringe worthy stuff, but <laughs> I think we that's all? good, right? We should do that. <laughs> we and all. then 2018, like I had a baby. Mm -hmm. I got pregnant. I was pregnant the whole first year that I went full time. I had a baby and I navigated a lot of like worry that people would judge me for just bringing my baby along. I mean, Mm. there's a lot of programs where I'm like bouncing a baby on a ball. I saw you sharing some of those on social media. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, but that that's such a beautiful example of how like we don't need to let our kids be an excuse or something to stop us. We can Mm -hmm. just take them. I mean, he was was sleeping the whole time. Who cares? You know, but I was so afraid that people were going to judge me. And um, I even took him to a retreat. And I was so afraid that people were going to be upset with me for just taking him when he was seven weeks old. And so I I feel like that was my really, that was my first really big thing that I had to navigate that felt challenging. was like people's perceptions of me. Mm-hmm. And then it just compounded. And then there was like conf- conflict with clients, um, people being unhappy, people coming back a year later, <laughs> wanting to have, you know, uh, feeling a lot around their investment. And I think a lot of it is buyer's remorse and people don't trust themselves. Mm-hmm. And then when they hit these struggles, they they look at um the things that they spent money on, right? And then they're like, well, fuck, what did I get out of that? And then they, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's interesting. It's really tough to navigate and it's hard to not take it personally. It's hard to, as someone with such a big heart, like, you know, I run this business from a very heart-led place and it's hard to not let it knock you down, Mm -hmm. you know? And how do you keep going? It's like, I mean, I could have, quit in 2019. <laughs> yeah. But, I certainly could have quit at probably every year of my business. There was uh-huh. at least once a desire to say this isn't worth it because And how we, many times did you sit in your in your closet crying to Steph like I can't fucking do this anymore like I don't want to do this why? And then literally. she's like it's okay, pick back up, let's just mm-hmm. go, breathe. And how you just one foot in front of the other. Yeah, I think it comes down to something that you said earlier. I think it really comes down to your heart, number one, and your your intentions and purpose being in the right place. When you really deeply care about the people who you're here to serve and make an impact on, like you said, it's not about us. And it's easy to make it about us because we're the ones doing the work. We're the ones doing the coaching and creating the programs and putting our heart and soul into it day in and day out. It's easy to feel like it is about me, but it's not. The purpose behind why we do what we do isn't about us. And when we can realize that this is so much bigger than my feelings. I've said that to myself so many times. Like this work is so much bigger than my feelings. You have to put your feelings aside so that you can be who you're meant to be in this world. These feelings are going to pass. This is temporary. You're here to do something so much bigger than what you're feeling in this moment. 
Oh, that's huge. I'm like writing that down. My business is bigger than me, my feelings uh, and my feelings. Yeah, it really is. And it's hard when this is so personal. It's not like, and I'm not comparing and saying, I'll use my own business as an example. I have my my e-commerce business, my physical products. I don't take it personally when someone wants to return a journal that I created, Mm -hmm. right? Very different than I work with someone for a year and they say, oh, I didn't really, I've never experienced this, fortunately. But if someone was to say after working with me for a year, I'm not happy with that experience, that would crush me. I had one person tell me they weren't happy in a program and I was like, oh my gosh, this is the hardest thing in the world to deal with because this is my work. Like I created this for you, the individual, and I was here on this journey with you. That's really hard to handle. It's, I I don't think it's impossible, but it feels near impossible to completely separate yourself from your business as a coach. It's constant work. It's constant Mm -hmm. work. And, you know, how do you navigate that when you spend a year with someone in a mastermind and they're like, I'm not happy. And you're like, well, why are you telling me six months after? (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know what to do with that. And like, part of me goes, I don't know what to do with that. And then part of me is like, well, I can't go back and make anything right because, you know, it's, it's just, it's just hard. And it's like, Mm -hmm. those intimate spaces are so potent and so powerful. And, and that's just it. It's intimate. And Mm -hmm. So many people, you know, I I talked about this in the industry. uh, uh, I'm sorry. I talked about this on my podcast recently, too, of just, like, there's this illusion that, like, if you just hold the belief and hold the vision, then the business will build itself. And it's, like, that doesn't necessarily work. But so many people, that's just a piece of the puzzle. It doesn't work like that. And so many people quit before the magic happens because they don't know how to navigate these experiences. Well, what Mm -hmm. happens when I show up and I like give my all in this seven month program or whatever. And you're like, you give this time investment, this energy investment, this heart investment and people aren't happy or they ghost you on pain. It's like, of course you're going to take that personally. Mm -hmm. And we can't just grow thick skin overnight. Like it doesn't also, it also doesn't work like that. Yeah. You have to go through the experiences to, to build. You, you can't, what I've realized is you really can't prepare someone for how it's going to feel when it happens to them. But the power of having a mentor is you can be a support to them as they're navigating through it because you have the experience of having gone through it yourself. But there's no way to prepare yourself or somebody else. And there's no way to make getting through those things easier until you've been through them. Like you Mm -hmm. have to go through it to learn how to navigate through it. You have to go through it to build thicker skin. And every time something terrible happens, it's like your skin just gets a little bit thicker and you have a little bit of a better ability to deal with it, but it's still never easy. You can have the thickest skin in the world and it still hurts. Right. And then, then you still get judgment because people are like, oh, you're cold or. Yeah. Or you don't care about people or. Yeah. Gosh, it just can't win. (laughs) Well, the thing I've really been anchoring this in recently is like, uh, number one, it's so easy on social media for people to pass judgment on other people when they don't have the context or really know the person. If someone sees a piece of content from you and they haven't been following you for a month, let alone five years, they have no idea who you really are. So they're taking what they see and they're, they're lining it up with their feelings about themselves and their beliefs about themselves and their perspective of the world. Not everything that we see on social media is meant for us. And I also just know that 
it's impossible to please everybody. It's impossible. I can be the best coach in the world to someone and to the next person. They're like, oh, she sucks. Yeah, it's true. It just is. It, it is what it is. And that's one of the things that I think people really struggle with is a desire to be liked by everybody and an unwillingness to say I'm not for everybody. That's hard, yeah. especially if you're a, a people pleaser. I used to really struggle with people pleasing. Like, I Same. want everyone to like me. I also struggled with abandonment. I don't want people to leave me. But it's also like I'm not going to be fully who I am if I have a desire to please everyone around me. Exactly. Exactly. And I always say this to my clients, too, is just like a reminder, like you decided to run this business. And when you said yes to the business, you said yes to the responsibility to like get your message out there and put your gifts out into the world. But you also said yes to the challenges. You also mm -hmm. said yes to the uh, not everybody liking you. And mm -hmm. that's your work, right? Your yep. business will always mirror back to you the things that you need to clean up. Absolutely. I, yeah. I say all of the time, you know, if you're going to be in it, you got to be in it, not just for the good that comes from it, but you have to be in it for all of it because it's never just success and moving upwards and celebrations and people happy. There's also a flip side to that. And if you're going to be in it you in anything in life, you do have to be willing to deal with everything that comes with what you're desiring to pursue and achieve. Yeah. 100%. So important. So what are some of the tools that you kind of have in your toolbox? I know you said that you're, you go to therapy and you have a mm -hmm. mentor. When you're alone with yourself and you're maybe struggling through something difficult in your business, what are some of the things that you do to nurture yourself, honor yourself, and move through it in a way that feels productive for you? Because we all have self-sabotaging patterns and behaviors, and it's really easy when things are hard in business to want to fall into those. How do you make sure you stay away from self-sabotaging and really honor yourself so that you can move through what you're navigating in business? I always start with a workout, like always. My COO will be, if I'm having a challenge, she'll be like, have you moved your body today? <laughs> so I will always find some way to move my body, whether if I have the space for um, like a quick 20 minute hit or I hit the gym or I'll go to a boot camp or I'll ride my soul cycle bike or go for a walk. It just really depends on the challenge. I kind of like tune in to ask like, well, what would feel good right now? Mm -hmm. But always, because I just... Like, even when I was going through my divorce in 2014, 2015, um, yeah, because I, I got, you know, I got in when I was doing Beachbody, I got divorced in my second year of business or my first year of business. It just took a really long time. And I felt like I can't make a decision until I connect to myself and like that mm -hmm. about anything. So um, that was a really big piece. So always a movement first. I use um, Yusui Holy Fire Reiki. And that's a really big piece of my like toolkit. Um, I teach it and I also use it every single day. Like there's different kinds of Reiki sessions that I can use to clear energy, to remove a block, to infuse a goal or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. And there's also sessions that you can do in sequence to like heal generational trauma and things like that. So I will, depending on what the thing is, usually I go for the energy clearing um, uh, I'll journal a little bit. I'm not like somebody who could spend hours and hours journaling and journaling pages and pages. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but I'll journal, I'll sing. I love singing. I do that a lot just to kind of like get into my body and express in some way. Mm -hmm. But also I'm learning rapid resolution therapy is also really powerful. Um, and EFT tapping. Mm, EFT tapping was really powerful for me when I was in the beginning of really connecting with myself and my body to overcome binge eating. I did tapping a lot to just to tune into myself and feel connected to my body. Very powerful. 100%. And the cool thing about tapping is that like you're actually like tapping on energetic meridians throughout your body that hold specific kinds, you know, hold energy in specific places. So Mm -hmm. whatever rotation you do, and then there's also like the, oh shit, meridian where you're like, oh fuck, Mm -hmm. this is really intense. Or Mm -hmm. um, there's a couple different ones. One of my, um, I have an embodiment mentor who I've been working with since 2019. And she was on the um, EFT trauma team, or she was on the trauma team from one of the school shootings in Florida, and she was teaching oh, wow. EFT to the families whose children were involved. And wow. so she will be like, here's your oh shit tap, like, mm-hmm. you know, when you're really activated. Um, and so I use that a lot, like even with my toddler, when he's mm-hmm. like being such a jerk or having a really big tantrum, I'll be like, okay, uh-huh, honey, whatever you say. <laughs> <laughs> I do it all the time. Yeah, so those are the big things that I use. Um, and then I, I, one of the movement pieces that I do is soul flow, which is um, an embodiment practice that incorporates movement, meditation, and mantras to release energy that's been kind of like pent up or trauma that's been pent up. And you can set whatever intention you want and you have mm-hmm. a playlist and you just move in the way that your body is leading you to move it. And it's really freaking really powerful. Cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. that it's sounds awesome. Of, I've never heard of that before. Mm-hmm. It's like ecstatic dance, um, but with intention and mm-hmm. really just with the intention to release. And then, you know, your body goes through different stages of release and reflection and integration throughout yeah. the whole is that session, like a so. is that like a website or an app that people could go you said it's soul flow mm-hmm. soul flow so um it was created by my mentor andy love and she okay. so she was the one that um on the eft trauma team but she has a like a certification where she's taught this um, oh, you can okay. go to soulflowembodiment.com and look up to see if there's any embodiment facilitators or soulflow facilitators, rather, who have classes upcoming. Um, I teach them in my membership. So oh, they'll so be, cool. they're like once a month, I do it in my membership. And it's like That's themed, awesome. like it could be like we're releasing money blocks this month or we're stepping into our power and or we're claiming our voice or whatever. And then mm-hmm. during the session, so I've done one on body love before and I did it around Valentine's Day. I usually do it every year, but I'm not doing it this year for the public. I'm doing it for my membership. And I've done it for like New Year's. We're like New Year, new vibe. And we like mm-hmm. um, just release all the things from the previous year, set new intentions. I incorporate Reiki with it. It's really cool. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah. People are interested in, you said you only offer that inside of your yearly membership for your programs and courses. Um, And my masterclass membership. So it's included in both. Yeah. I mean, if if anybody's interested, they can just reach out to me like, and you know, 
I can refer you to somebody who does have stuff going on, who is offering soul flow classes. Um, there's a bigger mission happening behind the scenes where we're trying to get soul flow into like yoga studios and stuff like that. Wow. So that's so awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so cool. I also love, you know, one of the reasons that I, I really wanted to bring guests women like you onto the podcast is because I just believe collaboration is so powerful. And I see so many people afraid of recommending other people or saying like, oh, go hire this person because they could be really beneficial for you. It's so powerful to feel confident enough in yourself to say like, oh, I'm not doing it right now. I can connect you with someone else. Or for me to say like, oh, that's amazing. Go hire her to do that. It sounds like such a great time. You know what I mean? I think it's so powerful to desire to really collaborate with other women in the coaching industry rather than feeling like, oh, it's me against you. You're my competition and not wow. send people That's that way. Like a whole other like conversation. Yeah. But I mean, I feel like I learned that in customer service, right? You know, I did restaurant hospitality for like 15 years, 16 years. And then I also did like retail and like mm-hmm. in retail, you're taught, if you don't know the answer, say you don't know the answer and that you'll get somebody who knows, <laughs> right? Does. Like, yeah. like, what? so it only makes sense, but it's also just like rooted in this like deep core value of mine, which is integrity. And like, mm. also this is another thing that I um, have been having conversations about too. It's like, there's so many people who are more interested in making money off of someone than actually helping them, mm-hmm. you know? And that's a part of the problem. It's so, a huge problem. Yeah. Like it's there's so many problem. coaches who are focused on like growing their business instead of actually serving and growing. And why can't we do both? Like, yeah, we can do both. We can do both. Absolutely. It comes from a place of like, Hey, I got to remember that that it's actually not about me. Yeah. A hundred percent. I, I think about it all the time, being good at sales and being a good coach are two very different things. And I think there are a lot of coaches out there who are fantastic at sales and they're really good at bringing people into their world, but their clients leave feeling like nothing changed. Or I've even been reading like people pay money and literally never have services delivered at all. And I'm like, what in the world is happening? That's just absolutely heartbreaking and terrible like where is your integrity where is your heart like where is your purpose behind what you're doing it's just it's really sad to hear some of those things happening how do they sleep at night no one will ever be able to give me that answer I don't know (laughs) absolutely so I'd I'd love to switch gears a little bit and talk about motherhood and business so I have (laughs) I'm a cat mom and people get really annoyed with me when I call myself a cat mom because they're like, you're not a mom if you have cats, but I'm sorry. There's a whole other level of taking care of another being, whether it's a dog or a cat or our dog is just as needy as our toddler. Okay. (laughs) Well, one of the reasons we won't get a dog is because they're a little bit too needy. Cats are, are quite simple. They still require some level of care, but not anything like a dog or a human child. Yeah. What is it like to, you have two kids, correct? I do. Yeah. Yeah. So how old you have two boys, right? Two boys. Um, Liam will be 12 on, Liam will be 12 on, what is it? Uh, Monday. Okay. 12 on Monday. And Logan is four. Okay. What so what is it like running a business as a mom? What is the hardest part if you if you're even able to pick because I could imagine there are a whole host of challenges. What do you feel yeah. like is the most difficult thing running a business where you're working I assume mostly from your house and yeah. your kids are probably around? How how do you navigate that? What's the hardest thing about that? So I'm just going to preface all of this with 
my kids are not always all around, always around. So okay. I do have this advantage. Um, but it wasn't always like that. <laughs> um, when I first started Beachbody, I literally like left my marriage the next day I started Beachbody. So I wow. have this weird thing where I launched businesses overnight. I don't know. <laughs> I did it with both of them. So, yeah. um, and I was always a mom. Liam was two. Um, and it was hard. Um, I think the biggest balance, uh, the biggest struggle is balance and boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really big struggle for me. Um, and making sure that I'm not leaving the things that I love to do off the table, like with business, because it's hard, right. To mm-hmm. navigate everything. So, um, in the first, you know, four and a half years online, I did, I did, um, Beachbody and I worked a full-time job and then eventually I had like three part-time jobs and I was a single parent and it was very challenging. Um, and I, at that time, I just, I didn't have any extra help. I lived halfway across the country from my family. I just, they tell you in Beachbody to just, at that time, what they taught, what I was taught was like, just do it in the pockets of time. Mm-hmm. So I was like in two places at once a lot you know, just trying to survive. Like, okay, he's in the bath. I'll just work on my business right next to the bath. Like, you know, um, I'll have these conversations in messenger just while he's watching a show. So I was never like really fully present. And that's a lot of like deep regret and that I have, Mm -hmm. but I didn't see it as any other, I didn't really have any other choice. So, um, I often just like try to have so much compassion for that part of myself. Then eventually Um, I shifted gears 2017. I got a conversation with a girlfriend who was like, dude, you're playing so small with like living off of commission and like you're struggling so much just trying to make this work and like you're not happy and you're just you have so much more to offer. Like, why not start a coaching business? I'm like, what are you talking about? (laughs) So literally, I started my business the next day with like a Google Doc of like just whipping up a bunch of offers didn't really make any sense signed clients Mm -hmm. right away. Within six months, I quit my job. And then I got pregnant, like the week after I quit my job. Liam was seven. And throughout that whole for like nine months and that whole first year I made 95k I just was so close to 100k my first year in business um and I technically feel like I did make 100k but just not in like the calendar year but it was in like 12 <laughs> months at some point yeah. Yeah. I did make the 12k but or the 100k but um it was tough like there's big big, big boundaries that struggle that I struggled with. Um, I struggled with codependency and people pleasing. So boundaries were never really easy or taught to me as a child or as an adult. Mm -hmm. So I had a really hard time with that. But in the first, you know, when Logan was really tiny, Liam was going to his dad's every other week. So there was a little bit of relief there sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I remarried and had an extra, you know, person to help right? So Mm -hmm. it was a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. And then um, when Logan was nine months old, we hired a nanny. So I was like, I, this is my job. This is my mission. This is something I'm all in on. I need support. Like he's mobile now. I can't constantly like, you know, work around, worked around nap time, but I really needed help. And so we hired a nanny and she helped us 
you know, and for like the nine months that, you know, and then we moved to Vegas from Seattle in 2020 and she helped with that transition. And then when we moved to Vegas, Logan went into Montessori school and Liam stayed in Seattle. So now Liam is with us a couple times a year and it's still a huge transition because the energy shifts, the dynamic shift, Mm -hmm. and then they shift again. So it's a lot. And then Logan's in full-time school now. He's in kinder pre-K. So it gets, it got, it was really tough because breaking those um, habits of like working on your business in the pockets of time, keeping Mm -hmm. the kids busy and then you just being on your phone or me just being on my phone is a tough habit to break. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I experience it. I don't have kids, but even with the family that I do have, my husband, right, or making time for the people that I care about, it's so easy to get so wrapped up in your business that it's like you're on all of the time, especially when you're running it from your phone and you constantly have access to it. I think it's easy no matter who you live with to not create that separation where you're being really intentional with your time and you're constantly like you're there, you're, you're in the room, but you're not actually present. And right. I can imagine, I think I don't have, again, I don't have kids, but I know that mom guilt is real. And I could imagine how that makes you feel when you're like, oh gosh, I want to be present with my kid, but also my business needs right. me and it's right here. So how do I create that boundary yeah. and separation? And your business also feels like another baby. <laughs> yeah. Right. It feels like a it feels like a part of you. It feels, it feels like an like extension. Yeah. Yeah. It feels right. like an extension. And I don't think everyone in business has this experience, but for me it definitely feels like an extension of who I am because totally. what I teach is so much a part of who I am and from my own growth and I'm embodying the things every day that it feels like it's just an extension of me and it's hard to create that separation and boundary to turn off especially when a lot of new coaches aren't even taught about boundaries and creating boundaries and before they know it. They're in the thick of things. And it's like, oh, gosh, I have no work-life balance here. Uh, like, yeah. I'm constantly on. And it's like, that's not the way to live your I life. Know. And it's going to be toxic for you in the long run. That's And so I have, you know, I have all different kinds of clients. And it's so funny. I was just talking about this in therapy yesterday. Like, why do I have such a hard time with, like, the phone and the balance and like, yeah, you can buy a separate phone for work, but it's still easy to download the apps. Like, like, you know, it's just like, it's really challenging. Like, why hasn't it clicked for me yet? Like I just, Mm. you know, I said this in therapy, like yesterday, why is this so hard for me to implement the boundaries and to create the space? And a lot of times I find that like, what I've been noticing is that when when Logan's throwing a tantrum or he's just particularly being really hard, it's like having just a rough day. I mean, being a toddler's mm-hmm. hard. He's constantly going yeah. through growth stages. His mm-hmm. development is it's just it's a lot. And then yeah, to as a parent, it's like constantly having to be um, present. And he's very attached to me, so he wants to sleep with me. He want is like freaking out and you know it's just a lot it's a lot and I'm like I sometimes get overwhelmed and then I just start checking out yeah like looking for a way to just not be present in the moment because it, yeah, how can I it's hard. this yeah. yeah 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 so I'm like why isn't this clicked yet and you know it's interesting so that's something I'm like ongoingly always working working on but something that I talk with my clients about is like it doesn't matter what stage of business you're at but it's so much easier to establish 
the boundaries and the standards and the work hours and the structure for the the way you in the beginning. And like, it's a, it's the first thing I teach my clients and they come first to my thing. world. They're like, how do I first post thing. on social media? How do I launch? How do I sell? I'm like, none of that. No, 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 we need no. to talk about the things that really matter long-term in your business. We need yeah, to talk yeah. about creating intentionality with your schedule, understanding boundaries, understanding emotional intelligence, understanding the things that are going to truly benefit you yeah. moving forward right. in your business. I talk about this in my mini mind, like, It is so much easier to start your business and go, okay, I'm only going to work Monday, Wednesday, Friday and Mm -hmm. establish those guidelines for yourself. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 10 o'clock to four o'clock or whatever. Mm -hmm. Monday, that's it. That's great. That's awesome. And I'm always Mm -hmm. like, dude, you can get so much done in that time if you're intentional. Like you wouldn't even need six hours those days. You could do four Mm -hmm. hours and just get so much done. But they're afraid to do that because they're afraid that – people will be mad at them for not being available. I'm like, yep. look, then the conversation shifts to you're deciding if a client is good, a good fit for you, not mm-hmm. you're getting hired. So it's really yep. interesting. These are really good things to talk about. It's so much easier to do it in the beginning than to undo it. Unlearn after it. You started yeah. making 100K months or whatever. Exactly. Like, exactly. I remember at the end of 2021, was when I had a really tough realization about my lack of boundaries and my lack of intentionality in my schedule. At the end of the year, I was burnt out. I was exhausted. I was angry at people because I was like, they're taking time off over the holidays and here I am working nonstop. Well, like, bitch, you did that to yourself. Like, you chose yeah, no that shit, for you. Right? <laughs> like, you chose that for yourself. So you can't be mad at anybody but you. But it's so, I agree, learn those things in the beginning and you won't have to unlearn how to set boundaries and be intentional with your schedule and decide when you're going to work so that you can turn off. Like I think having like an end of day ritual is so powerful where it's like, okay, work is done for the day. And now I'm moving into the rest of my life. Like learning and establishing those things was a game changer for me, but it didn't happen until year two of my business. So it's like, for me, one of the powers of being a mentor is you get to look at the order in which you did things. And if you could do it over, how would you do it in a way that would really serve you? And that's what we get to do for our clients. So for me, it's like, you come into working with me, it's a non-negotiable that we're talking about your emotional intelligence, your boundaries, your intentionality, your time management, your ability to actually be productive and not be distracted all of the time. Because we spend a lot of time wasted and making ourselves feel like we're busy when really we could be like resting and doing things that we actually love rather than going from task to task and not really being productive. What's your end of day ritual? Yeah. So at the end of my day, no matter what, I generally work from my office. Some days I will work from my couch, no matter what, at the end of the day, when I'm done work, I bring everything that's work related. So like my journal, my laptop, any notebooks that I'm using, they come up to my office. I straighten up my office. I turn off the lights and I close the door behind me. And it's like, okay, work is Mm. now staying here. My work phone comes in here and stays in here. And now I'm moving into my life with my partner, with my house, with myself, with TV, whatever it is. It's been really beneficial for me for feeling like there's a, a leaving and a closing and an ending. When you work a nine to five, you have that privilege of like, oh, I'm walking away from work now. When you work from home, you don't have that. It's like, oh, well, I'm here and I work everywhere in my house. I've worked in my bedroom. I've worked from my couch. I've worked from my kitchen table. So it's like, it all feels like the office. How do I make it feel like I'm stepping out of work and into my life for myself now? 
So then oh, you have two separate phones, right? Now we're going into me asking yeah. you questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so no, on fine. your personal phone, do you have any apps for your for work? Yeah. yeah. So I have the only app that's not on my on my normal phone is Voxer. Okay. So I, I take one day completely unplugged from Voxer. But it, before I set this boundary for myself where I had a day out of Voxer where I wasn't coaching and I had Voxer on my normal phone, like I also struggled with checking in constantly. Like I would be out on a date with my husband and like open up Voxer. And I would literally say to myself, like, what are you doing? Who cares what they're doing? You're on a date with your husband. But it was like I almost couldn't help myself. Like I wanted to know what was going on with my clients. And yeah. I was like, this is toxic for your life. And I still have social media on there because I use it all of the time, not just when I'm working. But I find it easier to create that separation because that's not where I communicate with the people who pay me. I care okay. more about my paying clients than I care about social media. So I'm more inclined to check on them a million times a day than I am versus checking my social media. Yeah. Um, but I found I was like obsessed with it and it was unhealthy to be like, oh, I'm out here trying to live my life, but yet I'm checking in on my clients. Now's not the time. Right, right. Yeah, that's smart. Okay, cool. Taking. Noted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Noted. It was helpful for me. I think everyone works differently. Like, I've thought about removing Instagram from my phone because I can find myself wasting time on there. And, like, I don't need to be on social media. I A question that I ask myself a lot when I find myself doing stuff mindlessly is, is this serving you in the way okay. that you want to be serving yeah. yourself right now? And it's a good reflection. Yeah, most often it's not. So if there's a mom right now listening who is like, I really want to be a coach. I really want to be successful in the online space. I really want to start a business. But I feel like motherhood is holding me back from doing that. What would you say to her? Oh, man, I would say something along the lines of let it be why you move forward. Because mm. I'll know at the end of the day, like, my kids watched me build something from nothing twice. So powerful. Twice. I heard um, I heard Ed Milet one time say something along the lines of like, you you basically can't tell your kids to go after their dreams while right. meanwhile you're living your life, yeah. shutting yours down nonstop. Like yeah, exactly. Your, your kids are are watching, they're listening, but they're paying attention to what you are doing and and who you are being in your life, and that's what's really exactly. going to inspire them. Right. And that's another thing that helps me, that makes me so inspired to keep going is like mm -hmm. my boys are watching how yeah. I'm going to handle this conflict, how I'm going to hold myself, how I'm going to navigate uh, work and home and like all of those things. So it's, con it's a constant, you know, my husband always says to me, like, show up the way you would want your clients and your audience to like believe that you show up well now it's like mm -hmm. show up the way you want your kids to be proud of yeah I love that I yeah. think it's so it's so powerful because we're we're setting examples every day for people who are watching us and your kids are like sponges they're absorbing every single thing that you're doing and saying both the good and the bad and we have evidence of that like if I look at my childhood I'm like Oh, so much of the work, the things that I've had to undo was shit that I learned from the way that my mom showed up in her life. And it's oh, like, yeah. it's not blaming her. She was only doing the best that she knew how. But at the same time, it's like you are being that for your kids and the people who are watching you. So how do you want to show them to pursue their dreams and their passions and their goals and their lives? It's by you doing it for yourself and showing them, not just telling them that it's possible. Exactly.
And I always tell so Logan, powerful. I'm like, I hear your words, but show me with your actions yes. that <laughs> you're sorry. Show me with your actions that you're going to listen. Show me, you know, so yep. it's like now, like all of this is coming full circle. And this has been kind of like a beautiful, beautiful conversation that's really bringing me back to like, what do I need to keep working on, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, I don't know, my kids have also, I would tell that mother, like, don't leave your values off the table. You can build mm-hmm. a business around what you value and what you stand for. And mm-hmm. I have a former client who's a mother of three and they were like living on the road in an, a, a trail, like a RV. And mm-hmm. I'm, she was constantly feeling like she had to separate the two. I'm like, no, dude, like you can build your business around what's important to you. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. That's part of the boundary work. So yep. if there's a mother out there who feels held back, it's like, no, you got to let your kids be the reason why you're doing this for all the obvious reasons of like, you know, practicing what you preach or whatever. But also because you have to you you can 100 percent look at like what's really important to me and create a brand around that. That's mm-hmm. what brands are. Yep. Absolutely. Like, these are the values what, that I stand for and I'm going to mm-hmm. create something from this. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that's the way all of our businesses should be built around 100%. what we really value and around what matters to us. And most importantly, around the way that we want to live our lives. It's not just about like making money. It's like, are you living the lifestyle that you really want to live via having your business that you run for yourself, the time, freedom, the ability to do the things that you want to do, creating your own schedule, all of that. It it should always look the way that you want it to look, not just a, a cookie cutter copy of what someone what's working for someone else. Exactly. Exactly. And it's really hard. I think that there's a big um, shift happening in the industry around that. That's a whole other conversation, but yes, exactly. Yeah. So the last thing that I was interested in talking to you about is, and I'm happy that you brought up, I did not know that you struggled at one point in time with binge eating, but I know that I've seen you share on social media um, some work that you're doing around improving your body image mm-hmm. and in building a personal brand, especially because I know you and your brand and I watch you, I know that you are really the face of your brand and you're a person who shows yourself in your life. What is it like for you struggling at times with your body image to still be present and show up confidently on social media? It's like being seen as scary, right? right? In general, let alone when you are lacking some confidence in yourself, whether internally or externally, allowing yourself to be seen when you're feeling a little bit insecure is one of the hardest things to do. How do you navigate showing up powerfully when there are days where you're like, oh, I don't even want to look at myself in the mirror? Yeah. Whew. So I have a secret sauce for this. <laughs> oh, I love it. I'm excited. Let's hear it. I know my audience will benefit from this. I have an alter ego that I step into. Oh, what's her name? It's Fergie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Stop. Me and my husband sing Fergie. We have like a date night ritual. Whenever we go on a date night on our drive home, we blast Fergie and sing it together in the car. No way. So I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's like I honestly, I I it's I pull out my like um, alter ego. And I use a lot of the like skills I learned in theater and Mm -hmm. in, um, I was a voice major in college. And so, 
Um, I did a lot of musical theater and a lot of performance. And so, mm-hmm. like, I just have to fucking, the show must go on. So I mm-hmm. really pull out a lot of that and those skills of just, like, compartmentalizing and showing up for the show. As I know mm-hmm. that sounds weird and probably really, like, it could be perceived as fake. But for me, it allows me to kind of tap into the character of the rebel soul and like really just embody who she is because that's what um like i i just need to do that in a, in that moment yeah and I eventually don't think it's fake at all i think i think one of the problems with people not achieving what they want is that they're constantly allowing the way that they feel to dictate how they're going to show up and they haven't figured out how to tap into how do I show up no matter how I feel? How do I show up when I'm lacking confidence or when I feel insecure, or when I don't feel like it? You've just figured out a way to tap into that for yourself so you can show yeah. up. Because if we only show up when we feel like it or feel good about it, I mean, I don't know about yeah. you, but I probably wouldn't be showing up all that much. So it's yeah, like same. We, we, have, we have to find a way to show up for ourselves and our businesses even when we're not feeling 100% behind it. Yeah, the other piece of it is I just remember, like, it's not about me, (laughs) you know, and like most people aren't even noticing the things that I notice, you know, so like if I were to be like, oh, I feel right now my back hurts, I feel really bloated, I feel gross, Um, you know, like most people wouldn't even notice that I would be feeling Mm -hmm. that way or that I look bloated if I post on social media. Mm-hmm. most people don't even care that's another thing too it's like yeah. we care about how people perceive us way more than those people actually care about what yeah, they're seeing because they're too busy thinking about themselves and I their know. own insecurities exactly. everyone's so obsessed with themselves that they don't even they're not even paying attention to you and, and what you look like and also i i just think it's so important for I know my audience and the women who I serve to really understand that the way that you look and the size of your body is not in direct correlation with how powerful of a coach you are or what type of leader you are. And I think we spend so much time obsessing over our appearance and the size of our bodies and our weight and what we look like that we think if any of this fluctuates, I'm somehow not going to be a good mentor, a good coach, a good leader. And that's just a false narrative. Yeah. I don't, I would never want my clients to hire me because they think I have a banging body. Like I want them to hire me because of my heart, my soul, and what I can give to them in our time together. Not because they're like, oh, she has a nice body. Like that doesn't even make sense. (laughs) Yeah. And it's interesting too, because when I was pregnant with Logan, I was like, obviously extremely pregnant, but I had this like, so I really, I had to work on other people's perceptions of me and letting go of the way that I looked when I was pregnant for obvious reasons. But then also I broke out in this like fungal infection all over. It was all over my face. It was like my first full year in business. I was so, I was rocked by that. And like Mm -hmm. all of the body image stuff, needing to be a specific size, needing to look a specific way. I mean, that stuff was so ingrained in me as a young Mm -hmm. girl because my father was, um, like a high ranking officer in the army and he was just in a lot of leadership positions. And so Mm -hmm. this um, narrative and story and 
idea that like our reputation matters because it's how we provide for the family. So like you can't fuck up was one thing, but then also like looking the part and being professional was another piece of it. And my mom Mm -hmm. had like major fat phobia that she projected Mm -hmm. onto me and other women in our family. And so there was a big fear of like gaining weight. There was a big fear of not looking good enough. There was also a big fear of like, well, then what does that say about our family or who I am if Mm -hmm. all that happens? And so the binging really started during my divorce process because I was so, I had no tools. I had no real understanding of like how to neutral, how to regulate. Right. Mm -hmm. And I had no outlet other than fitness. Yeah. And I would overexercise. I would work out like hardcore. I was doing like turbo fire with a 25 pound weighted vest. Oh my gosh. I loved turbo fire, I but I can't too, imagine but, like, doing insane. it with a vest on. That's nuts. And then, yeah. so I would do like an hour of heavy cardio and then mm-hmm. I would lift and then I would do more cardio. So I was trying to burn like all the food off that I ate, like, yeah. you know, a thousand calories, 1200 calories. I was obsessed with the numbers on my watch. Yeah. And then, when I would get overly emotional or not understand like what was happening or the grief or the shame that I was feeling, I would just, I I remember driving to Met Market in Kirkland, Washington and getting like a piece of coconut cream cake and like donuts and I would just eat them as fast as I could. And then I would Mm -hmm. be like, oh my God, the room is spinning. I feel so sick. And then I would purge. And then I would work out so hard the next day. Like, it was just this toxic cycle, and I don't really remember what broke it other than, like, I decided to get sober from alcohol, but prior to that, I just, I remember reading some personal development books about self-love, and I honestly can't pinpoint, it might have been just, like, a very short phase where that happened, but it was definitely Mm -hmm. a really big struggle because... Yeah. I would feel like hungover. Just it was awful. Yeah, I spent 15 years of my life feeling that, so I completely understand. It's a it's a very very toxic cycle and um I'm really happy for you that you were able to break free from that because it's so the thing when I when I reflect on I have memories burned into my brain of binges that I've had but the thing that stands out the most is how emotionally exhausting it was exhausting. to constantly feel like the shame and the guilt and the anger towards myself. Like I was so angry with myself. Like, why are you doing this? You know, it hurts you, but it also almost felt like I can't stop it. Well, this is no other. uh, I remember being like, there's no other option. I don't know how to process this. Yeah. And I remember too, um, what was I going to, I was just going to say something. Oh, I completely wrecked my hormones. Like completely. Mm -hmm. I gained so much weight, um, from that. And yeah. I, yeah. Anyways, so I struggled with that for a while and um, sobriety's really helped and therapy's really helped because I still have those urges where I'll just be like, oh, I just want to go get like food and just numb out. Yeah. But I can't. Yeah. You can't. Yeah, absolutely. The more you give into it, the more you're just reinforcing that kind of urge followed exactly. by the behavior. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have such a powerful story. I, I really enjoyed this conversation. I feel like I got to know you better in yeah. this hour than the months that we spent together inside I of know. the mastermind. I'm so right? happy that we shared this conversation. Um, so powerful to witness your own personal growth and all of the things that you overcome and how you can 
turn that around and share that with the world and the impact that I know you're making on your clients is incredible. So you have a Thanks, lot babe. to be proud of. Thanks, you're welcome. Appreciate Tell you. people in my audience where they can connect with you if they desire to yes. do so after hearing this episode. Um, so uh, you can find me on Instagram. XO, the rebel soul is my handle. Um, I'm also on Facebook, Ruthie Cease. Um, I'm on Instagram much more. Um, and then all the ways that you can work with me are in, if that interests anybody, excuse me, are in the link in my bio. Um, just kind of preface it. I do things a little unconventionally. I don't have a website. <laughs> so I don't any, use a website either. Yeah, so. <laughs> I have landing pages and then like a link yeah. tree type thing. So mm-hmm. everything is in the link in my bio. And then you can also find me on Rebel Soul Radio, which is my podcast um, that is on Apple and so Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Amazing. We will put links to all of that in the show notes of this episode. Cool. You guys, please go connect with Ruthie. She is so authentic. One of the reasons that I, I love watching you and being connected with you, you're so authentic, which for me is my jam. So I love connecting with other women who are super authentic, willing to share the good and the bad and everything in between about creating this level of success, because I think it's just so important for our audiences and the communities that we're building that they see what it really takes to become a woman that has this level of success in her life and business. Thanks, babe. I appreciate you're that. You're welcome. Of course. Thank you so much for sharing this conversation. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, you guys, we'll talk to you on the next episode of the Queen of Pep Talks podcast.